Okay, so um, so hi, Oana. Thank you so much for joining me on the Founders Predicament podcast. Um, Thanks it's a for real pleasure. Me. Sorry. Thanks for inviting me. Sure, and it's a real pleasure to have you. Um, you're currently in Romania, right? Yes. Which city Spend are you in? Uh, I'm in Cluj. It's Cluj. right in the in the center of Transylvania, where all the vampires are. Excellent. Excellent. So you've got a startup um, called Dala's Book. Um, so before you tell me about Dala's Book, can you talk about what, I mean, and you started that a while back, right? You started that, when, when did you start Dala's Book? Officially, it was 2015, but uh, I started working on it mid-2014, so it's almost almost 10 years, like eight years and a half. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> so before you started Dallas Book and also since you started Dallas Book, because I know you do that on the kind of on the side, you do you make money working as a programmer, right? So tell me a little bit about what you did before you started Dallas Book and what you're doing now. So I've I've always been passionate about computers. Uh, I actually started started coding when I was fourteen or fifteen years old, and uh, I liked it. I liked it very much to just tell machines what to do. Um, so I started I started my career as a regular software engineer. I graduated and I have a master's degree also in computer science and um, started working at a at a small startup on a financial product. Then they were purchased by a larger company. We built a product in partnership with Microsoft. Then th that company was uh, acquired by Ernst & Young. Um, then I switched to a bigger company where I got to work on enterprise software and transitioned to more of a management career. Um, and I worked there for about six years. And uh, in the last two years of working there, I also founded Dahlia's book, uh, as a side project initially, because I wanted to get more kids into coding. Um, but the vision that I had back then, the idea was very, very different. So uh, um, because because of Dahlia's book, I actually quit my like corporate job and went into gaming <laughs> and spent about a year uh, working for a gaming studio because the idea back then was to create educational games for kids. And I was like, I figured out that I didn't know anything about how to create games. So I should work for a company that does that. It was very different and very intense. And uh, after that year, uh, I went into freelancing and became a digital nomad, started traveling around the world. And uh, I've been freelancing ever since, lived in various countries, uh, lived in Tokyo for a bit. And then a year ago, a year and a half ago, I moved to New York and started an MBA at NYU. And now here I am. So you're at the Stern Business School, are you? I graduated this May. Oh, oh you got Oh, congratulations. Right. Thank you. Well, so you graduated pretty quickly, right? Didn't most people spend two years or was That's it two true. years? No, it was only one year. So this was a one-year accelerated MBA program. Uh, it's a focused technology MBA and starts in May. You have a very intense summer schedule with classes from nine to five. So that was not a very exciting way to spend the summer in New York. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it ends in uh, ends in one year. So everything that regularly other students do in two years, we did in one. 
Wow, that's impressive. Okay, let me get to my next question. So what what problem are you solving with Dahlia's book? What what led you what what inspired you to do that? To to do this this work? So I was I was always attracted to doing something that helps uh, other people and like helps other people at a larger scale. And I always, I always, I always wanted to have an impact. And um, at some point, I kind of figured out that if I'm not a doctor, to just go in developing countries and uh, treat like uh, kids or people who don't have something to eat, I always had that idea that you can't have an impact. And um, when I started Dalia's book, it was about ten years ago. I had a surgery, and I was on medical leave after surgery for about three weeks at home. I had to stay like bed rest and didn't do anything and then that's where you kind of have these ideas like oh, what am I doing with my life <laughs> I would like to have <clears throat> or to do something where I have more of an impact and then I started researching what I can do um, and I realized that with my skills like my technology skills there are a lot of things that I can do and if I would have been a doctor then uh, I would have saved people a lot people's lives but with my tech skills I can actually give them an education that to help them have jobs um, and this is this is how it started I was also a bit frustrated about the situation in my country back then um, and I realized that all things that happen like politically economically uh, the root cause is lack of education for the Romanian population most of it and I just was trying to think of ways to keep kids in school because Romania has one of the largest dropout rates in the European Union. Oh, so that's um, the problem. That's the problem you're solving is the dropout rate. So this is this is how it started. Um, I've pivoted a few times along the way and the, um, the approach that actually works right now is to get kids into technology and coding education because the public school system is very much left behind. Um, and initially when I started Dahlia's book, the idea was to have like a partnership with schools. And then I realized that it would take generations to get school teachers to where we as technology professionals are. So uh, I kind of pivoted from working directly with people, with software engineers like me, to get them to become the teachers for the kids and fill in the gaps that currently exist in the education system. Excellent. So, so you get software engineers to teach school children how to code, in a in a nutshell. And, That's basically online. <laughs> oh, online. Okay, so they don't come into the classroom. They 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 stay in their office and they run a class and then they go back to work. Is that the idea? Yeah, exactly. So, and do you provide the teachers with the curriculum, or do they come up with the curriculum? We provide them with a curriculum. Um, so when we started, we took the we took open source curriculum from um, MIT and Harvard Graduate School of Education. Yeah. They have they have very good teaching materials for scratch, and that's how we started. Um, and then in the last years, uh, a lot of the mentors from the community they uh, they like teaching, and they actually offered to develop kids, develop uh, lessons for kids. And we have now um, materials on Python, on C++ and Internet of Things, and machine learning as well. Uh, everything developed by the volunteers in the community. Exciting. That's very exciting. Um, sounds like I should have a I should have a look at your curricula and, um, and maybe take some of the classes myself. 
Um, yeah, we look forward to feedback. <laughs> yeah. So where where would this take you in an ideal world? Ideal. So ideally, where would you be with Dahlia's book? Would that be the only thing you're doing? Would it would it would it grow beyond Romania? Where where, where would it go? So right right now it's a side project, and um, I I'm probably gonna keep it this way in the following years because it's a it's a not for profit, and I. Uh, financially, I cannot sustain myself from it uh, right now, but I do want to develop it globally. Um, so I'm thinking of uh, like two two ways where this could go. Uh, one way is to develop it like a global organization that gets kids into digital education uh, to give them skills that they need for the jobs they're going to have. Um, and the other direction is develop an education company uh, for a for-profit education company for kids, where uh, I could use what I learned from developing the courses in the last eight years and spin it out, spin it off into a um, into a platform where parents and kids would want to uh, pay to, so, to to learn. So similar to Khan's Academy or something like that, or Khan Academy. I think the Khan Academy is still a nonprofit. It's still, uh, it's still free, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they charge. Uh, so it would be it would be something something similar. Uh, the differentiation between Dahlia's book and Khan Academy is that Khan Academy relies a lot on self based classes, while Dahlia's yeah. book we don't have any self based classes. Everything is uh, with a guided with a mentor. In real time. In real time, yeah. Okay, so is there any asynchronous component to Dahlia's book, like no. homework or homework or something like that? No. No, is we that... don't have. We don't even have homework. <laughs> oh, you don't have homework. No, I love that. I love that because I never used to do my homework. Exactly. We asked kids, "Do you want homework?" And they said no. <laughs> and said, so, "Okay, we're not going to give you homework if you don't want it." <laughs> so everything's contained within the class. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, and kids like kids can like some kids. They actually also. Um, they work on projects by themselves as well. Like they're like very, very passionate kids that who do this. Um, a few of them also have YouTube channels where they actually teach other kids how to code. That's great. And they take like the lessons learned from the from their interaction with the mentors and they uh, put them on the YouTube channels and share them with others. Okay, that's great. So, <clears throat> I mean, you've already discussed this to a certain extent, but if you could start again, what would you do? I mean, you've talk, told me about lessons and pivots, but if you could start again and you were starting Dallas book for the first time and it was 10 years ago, what would you do differently? A lot of things, I think. Yeah, I think that um, one, one, one big thing that I would do differently was it would be to think of it as something that I do, not something that I am. I think that because of this, in the, um, in the in the last years, I kind of maybe took the wrong decisions because I was too emotionally involved. So I thought of Dahlia's book as representing my identity as a person uh, or my professional identity. And um, I thought of it, if it's a success, then I'm a success. If it's a failure, then I'm a failure. And that's, I, th I think I've been like through rough times because of that because uh when i took decisions that i shouldn't have taken then i thought okay i'm just gonna push through it because this is who i am um so i think that i would start with a different approach of yeah this is this is a thing that i do 
uh, amongst a lot of other things that I do and I'm good at. So I think if I would if I would look at things from this perspective, then I would be able to take better decisions. Okay, can you give me an example where your personification of Dahlia's book has impeded its progress? Yeah, so it's, you know, like sometimes, the, I mean, it's a startup, right? Um, and you have to take a lot of very tough decisions. Uh, and I think that a very, a very smart decision is choosing the things that you want to do and choosing the things that you want to invest your time in and things that you don't want to invest your time in. Um, so one of the things that uh, I, w- where I felt this was when I was just taking like too many things to do because I wanted to develop it further. And I was thinking, okay, so if this doesn't work, then I'm going to have like this other stream that I'm going to uh, test in parallel to see if this work and then the third stream and then the fourth stream. Um, and I think that because of that, I put too much pressure uh, on myself because I was afraid of failing. I was just thinking like if something, if one fails, then there's the other one <laughs> that's not going to fail. Um, and I think that like if, if I'm looking back objectively right now, one thing that would have helped if I would have like a more like a less emotional approach to it would have been the approach of yeah I'm think, investing in one thing let's see if it works if it doesn't work then that's fine but that doesn't mean that I'm a failure it's just I failed and that's fine uh, because I can just move on to the next thing right sorry as far as I know uh, you haven't received uh, funding is that accurate that's true. Yes. So it's been so, it's been always bootstrapped. So, but bootstrap, but with no revenue source, right? Really? Are you are, are, the, are, the, are the schools paying money to do this or not? No. So there is a revenue source. Uh, when it started, I had a I had a co-founder, and we took a loan from a bank, and we purchased uh, thirty iPads, and that was the idea back then, which we're not doing anymore to uh, teach kids uh, math through digital games. So we purchased 30 iPads and then we distributed it to schools um, in the city. Um, so that's that's how it started. And that's what gave us um, a track record of projects. And then we were able to use that and pitch to tech companies to invest in us. So even if like we didn't take like uh, uh, investment from VCs, we do have corporate partners uh, and they're the revenue source. So um, how this developed in time um, is in a form of a corporate social responsibility product for tech companies, where everything that we're doing, we're packaging in a project or a sustainability program for them. And besides having the component of teaching kids how to code online, we're also helping tech companies with marketing, brand awareness, employer branding sometimes as well, um, and other needs like um, promoting them on social media, for example, uh, showing their logo, wherever our logo is, because our network of uh, software engineers is pretty big in Romania. It's like we have over 600 people. And for tech companies, this is very, very useful because they actually get to, um, they always want to hire the best talent and they have access to talent through us. That's, that's great. I, I love that. So um, um, so uh, 
if you were going to expand Dahlia's book outside Romania, for example, in the US, we have um, Title I schools. I'm not sure if you, you, you know what that means. So a Title I school is where more than, I think, 50% of the children have free school meals. 50 mm. or 60, I can't remember. So those are some of the poorest schools in the United States. Would would that be a good market for you to bring Dahlia's book to? And then uh, I, I sent you this question ahead of time, so I'm, I'm hoping you've had a, a minute to think about it, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> and, and how would you go about that? And then how would that look in the US context? Yeah, I think it would be very similar uh, to what we're doing in Romania, because in Romania, with the, as part of the social responsibility programs that we're implementing for tech companies, uh, most of the kids that we're working with are kids from underprivileged or marginalized communities. It's either like a third of them are from rural areas. So we have we have right now a bit over 5,000 kids in the network that graduated at least one programming course. Um, a third of them are from rural areas. So in rural areas in Romania, people are not very rich. They're actually very poor and they don't have a lot of resources. Um, and then another third of these kids are from uh, small towns where um, in small towns, like maybe they have like more financial opportunities, but in their local communities, there's nobody to go to their schools and teach them. And then the teachers don't have these skills either. So I think that um, the marginalized communities or like the poorer communities in the U.S. Um, actually are very similar to this, uh, to, to these communities in Romania, where um, the approach that we have for them is basically get funding from tech companies because tech companies want to have an impact um, and uh, do either online projects or mostly online projects, if I'm thinking about it, because they're very far away. Uh, so being online, it actually, it actually enables us to reach uh, even the kids that like maybe it's too far for them to go uh, with the bus or with the subway to get somewhere. Um, and a problem that we had with the kids from uh, rural areas here in Romania was that they did not have access to computers. And for them to be able to participate in our courses, they need to be online in a way and ideally on a computer. So what we did for these kids, uh, we actually partnered with schools and we use the school's computer lab because a lot of the schools have uh, computer labs, even if they don't necessarily use it a lot. Um, we use the school's computer labs and have had uh, school teachers supervise the kids like in uh, as part of an after school program while they learn online. So I think that this would be a good approach for the um, for the US as well. Okay, well, that's something for us to talk about when you get back in yeah. uh, October. <laughs> Definitely. And I think I think that covers everything. Do you have any do you have any questions or do you want to um have any comments? I just love what you're doing with uh, with your podcast and thank you so much for uh, for inviting me well you're most welcome and i i love what you're doing with uh, with uh, it education with kids it's an area that i've dabbled in i still i still i still do a little bit of um teaching kids um uh, coding and uh it's it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun when the penny drops it's really satisfying to see them go ah now I know what you're talking about. That's that's really great, a great moment. 
Um, I'm sure you've experienced it many times. So congratulations on the on on what you're doing so far, and yeah. I hope you can bring it here to the U.S. and help some of the neediest kids over here. Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Anna, for um, joining me on the Founders Predicament, and I look forward to meeting you in person. Me too. Looking okay. forward. Take care. Thanks. You too.